Look around you. That car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change and withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. On this episode of DC On Screen, we are talking about the Arrow Season 7 finale, and also Season 7, right after this. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. So, right up front, I want to say I love that the end of this of Season 7 is called You Have Saved the City. Yeah. I thought that's a nice tie-in. No, that's perfect. Because this this episode and the showrunner did talk about what their intentions were, and this episode very much is a series finale. It is the end of the show as we know it. Yeah, and it also buries the lead really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can watch this episode, and for the first, it's about 43 minutes, uh, for the first 33 minutes or so, it just feels like an episode of Arrow, where Mm -hmm. at the end of the 33 minutes, they kind of sum up and... Uh, retire the series and in the first you know several minutes first 30 or you know 15 to 20 minutes i would say aren't even a particularly good episode of arrow like i kind of felt like it was appropriate in some ways for them to go out on something like that because that you know spoilers up until the point where emiko dies i kind of felt like yep that's an arrow episode yeah i mean Yeah, that, I feel that's like a dick right. for saying it that way, but well, they've got a couple things that are slightly different, but it's mostly like the the major takeaways from the first part of the episode are, um, I'll just go through my little mental list. One, they're supposed to be arrested and they all jump off the roof. Mm-hmm. It was a cool shot. I enjoyed that part, and also whoever had them uh, later when the building's exploding after Amico dies, 
Emiko. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, Oliver like swings through the smoke and, and lands safely. That was, that was one of the best shots I've seen this season. Maybe an arrow yes. in general. That was fantastic. Yes. Agreed. Um, one of the things we know though is like Zeta Project being involved in general. That's pretty cool. That's a cool yeah. shout out. I, I yeah. like that they brought that in. That made me really happy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and the fact that it was so dire, like th- this face-melting bacteria kind of thing, mm-hmm. and getting to see a little bit of the flotsam and jetsam from that, that was pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. So, it was uh, it was a little bit dark. It was a little bit gruesome. Uh, getting to see the future versions of these people, um, the stuff they're doing in the in the flash forwards is... I'm I, like I'm pretty interested. Like they wrapped up that story pretty well. If I never saw them again, I would think, okay, this this ends well, and I can live with it. But they did do a good, pretty good job of fleshing out these people as these are you know future versions of the Arrowverse that I could deal with. As far as like they're capable and they're kind of fun. Yeah, they're capable, but they're not fun. Like to me, like I pretty quickly came to hate every future scene. <laughs> <laughs> like I wasn't interested in the storyline. I, you know, while she is cute, I did not like Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she I don't was. I think you're one supposed of, to like Mia. Yeah, she's just one of those characters where she's like always got the snark, just no, always saying something shitty to somebody. I, because I it, like episode one of Arrow, you don't like that asshole. I did. <laughs> I liked him. It took me a few episodes to like that dude. Um, like all the parkour is one thing, but like actually liking. Oliver Queen, it takes a minute in the course of the series, and it makes sense to me that Mia is kind of an asshole. Yeah, I, you know, I just I didn't care for her. I thought William was bland at best, um, and I, I have William no has kind. a lot that that like William is one of those where they they showed gl- glimpses of him being an extraordinary character, and they kind of just pull mm-hmm. him in, like they they keep him right at the perimeter of being amazing, and they just mm-hmm. don't. They don't completely execute that. And in times they make him impotent where they shouldn't. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Roy in the future. And I also don't know. Oh, they like, don't explain it. I know they don't explain it. And it's, I don't they know. They make if a point gonna, that they don't explain it. I know. He's like, that's a long story. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the season eight synopsis that they've just released. Mm-hmm. The season eight synopsis is in the wake of discovering what his future holds, Oliver will find himself pit, uh, will find himself pit against his most challenging battle yet. One that will leave the multiverse hanging in the balance in Errol's, uh, sorry, in Arrow's final mission, sorry, final season. God, mm-hmm. Oliver Queen is forced to confront the reality of what it means to be a hero. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to fit things like other characters doing things into the show or how that's going to mix. Um, I am interested in how Roy got to that island or what the hell he's doing anyway. I think they economized it. Um, I My am, personal bet, I think they economized it and just said, we don't have to deal with that and wrote in a line where they, they just don't have that on the table anymore. Because when you look at how they wrapped up the story, the future is mm-hmm. is what it is. I mean, they, they've already got that and they've got Felicity going into this little, she gets her own journey and I, I don't exactly know what that entails. Like, she's... I, I mean, those two saying goodbye was fucking uh, emotional, man. I mean, mm-hmm. that that was rough. And Oliver in particular going in to say goodbye to his infant daughter, fucking, mm-hmm. I've got a six-month-old. That that hurt me. But it, I don't know what to do with the story exactly. Like, I don't yeah. know how cosmic it's going to be. When when Oliver 
when they hear that noise and Oliver walks around the corner and looks up to see that the monitor standing there though like Amel killed it the way he looked when he said I thought I had more time oh god yeah I wrote down that line man like fuck yeah like that changed the shit <laughs> like I, I enjoyed the flash forward like the or the the montage well, the, the montage of the time and the birth yeah. and all that that was that was great Absolutely. it was really rewarding all of that was great and places that point of the episode to about the point where we we will be when the crossover is happening next year. Right. I was ha- happy as a lark with all of that. Um, and even subsequently, when you look into like, what does it mean in the future when Felicity sees the monitor and says, I've waited to see him for so long. Like, where is he taking her? Is Oliver really dead or is he in some sort of pocket dimension or something? Or does yeah. the monitor have a, have access to heaven or hell or some limbo or something. Yeah. What's happening? I don't know. There's a lot on that. Uh, like it, it, there's nothing. I mean, there's no decisive effect. Like, I don't know why Felicity's going to join him, but we know because her contract says she's done. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily going to come back. Mm-hmm. Pedowitz said in the last few days that if, if it fits, she'll come back, but well, that's with everybody on the show. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, she's, not at all a guarantee. I mean, even the, what, seven or eight episodes we have, she's not necessarily guaranteed it in any capacity. That may be the last you see of Felicity Smoke as Better her going be. in with the monitor. Or I'm going to be mad as a fan. <laughs> that that may be it, man. Uh, that, that may be the call. I don't know what her journey means, and I don't know if it means anything uh, kind of with and or versus Oliver's journey. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he has to go on this journey where... For all we know right now, he is going to die. Mm-hmm. But several years later, the monitor shows up and she goes on her own journey and she just wants to see him again. We don't know if somehow that adds and subtracts from the cosmic balance. And maybe she takes his place. Hmm. And Oliver can come back in some capacity. Yeah, I don't want that. I want wherever they are, I want them to be together and that just be the end of that story. I would like that to be the end of that story. I want that. I want them to be together and I want them them to be able to rest. Yeah. No more of this life. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they can't completely rest until they know in the future that William and Mia are okay. And I like that. They made that a theme for this episode was like the last promise of Ollie was, Mm -hmm. or the last request of Ollie was just make sure they're safe. Well, she, and she said though, before she left, like she feels like, they are cap- more than capable of being of keeping themselves safe now. Yeah, and of being the next generation of heroes, oh, which sure. I, I would love for that to just happen in our in our minds. Because I don't want to see a I don't want to see a show about them. Not necessarily now. <laughs> I mean, I'm they not I'm not that bought into it. I like it as an idea, but I'm not so bought in that I want that series. Yeah, which I I. I suspect this next season they're not going to be able to get away. Like I think we will see that long story or glimpses of that long story of how Roy got to that island and what happened with Thea. I mm-hmm. think we will see uh, what exactly happened with Bronze Tiger that John wound up uh, adopting Connor. Because um, when 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 Bronze Tiger shows up this episode, I go like, "Oh, he gonna die," and then he didn't. So mm-hmm. I was like, mm, "Okay." No, instead he sliced his way through the episode mm-hmm i was pretty happy right. with that yeah so i'm totally excited about what's coming mm-hmm. this season 
I felt like the first half of the season was the strongest Arrow has ever been. I loved everything where he was in prison. Um, all of that was really tight. Yeah. When it came back from the mid-season break, it was maybe the worst season of Arrow. No, I mean... You didn't get that? It sagged a little bit, but it wasn't the worst. I didn't like Emiko. I really... I like the idea of her. And I like the I, idea of I her a lot. I wish they had had... Like, <laughs> I like the idea of her the way I liked the idea of Dragon. Like, it was a good idea. They had a good actor doing it. And they had a lot of time to flesh that out. Like, they... Didn't they literally have an episode titled The Dragon? Mm-hmm. And that was a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Maybe my favorite episode of Arrow. And it was a cool turn later where they they had the reveal that she was in charge of the uh, the Ninth Circle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a cool turn. And it was a cool turn later when I actually got to see them fight alongside each other. And then it, I really enjoyed, actually, their story arc. It, it just felt like... Um, if they'd had more time to dig into it, maybe there was more to it. But as far as... It, here's the weird part. Emotionally, maybe I didn't have time to tie into it, but they really did a lot to make this make sense. I mean, her actually being the cause of, of Robert Queen's death, that's mm-hmm. fucking... In, like, that butt fucks the entire rest of the series, man. They Like, they... That is a huge deal. Like, the fact that that's the... Like... That's a real thing. And then they have this giant uh, face-off, which, by the way, they when those two have faced off in this series and they've had their little arrow fights, mm-hmm. the arrow fights between those two have been uh, just fantastic to watch. Them, like, yeah. glancing off arrows and, and being closer to each other at each turn. Like the, the chess match of them throwing arrows at each other has been really fun to watch. But the payoff later... When she's talking about, you know, every, every, uh, everything he did destroyed my life. And then pretty much Oliver saying, yeah, me too. Everything my father did has been the worst moment of my life replayed over and over again. We're in the same boat. And then they actually have a moment where they decide that they're on the same side. Like she has a really rewarding arc. I don't know why it doesn't feel like that, but she has one technically. So you admit that it doesn't feel like that. I don't know why it doesn't feel like that. Well, I disagree. I don't think she's very good. I don't think she's a very good actor. I don't think it was up to her at all on that one. I just like Maybe the, not. the momentum of the season for some reason didn't seem like that. And what's weird to me is it should have. Like it should be a huge turn. And it it actually did feel like a huge turn when it was uh, no way big betrayal she's the head of the ninth circle and and dante can fuck himself and she was in charge the whole time uh-huh i i don't know why it didn't hit so hard um i you know i think what they were going for is they set up an idea where we thought where we all collectively thought oh ollie's gonna die oh this new green arrow you know because we a, a lot of us you know thought it might be a Miko. and I think we were in some ways expecting some of us. I was, you know, I thought it was certainly a possibility. I uh, thought that she might be taking over for Ollie at the end of this season. And maybe they would continue the show without him, but with her. I think they were trying to like deliver on, on a turn, you know, that it was all a big red herring. Like she's part of the ninth circle and blah, blah, blah. I just never cared. I didn't like her. I didn't like the, how they chose to portray her 
whether that was the actor's fault or the writing's fault. And I felt like they just sort of tried to cram in, and they did, they tried to cram in like an entire story arc for a character into half of a season and make me care about it. While also, you know, uh, examining or re-examining why Ollie is a hero and what that means, which they do that every year. Every year he struggles with, should I kill? Should I not? And here we are again, where he's like, I think I need to kill her. She did this and this. And then, you know, mind Tommy is telling him, no, you blah, blah, blah. You can't do that. It's just, is it got, it is, that's tiresome to me. Like pick one or the other, Ollie, if you're going to be someone else, be something else, then do it and stop like every, you know, every few episodes you come up with another reason why you should or shouldn't kill somebody. Like just do or don't just be that guy or don't do that. Like, I don't understand what the big moral conundrum is at this point. And I don't care about it anymore. You well, see what I'm saying? That, that, yeah. But the thing that they've done well is in the field of ethics and morality, like to kill or not to kill versus the consequences is, uh, Tomes long as far as what have people written about it, mm-hmm. and it should be. It's it's a complicated subject. Well, sure, but in in the interest of this character, this is a thing that this guy has gone back and forth on. So just like it, he's gone back and forth on lying to protect his his friends, and oh, I didn't tell you the truth because I was trying to protect you. And over oh. and over again, everyone tells him, "Dude, don't do that shit. Just tell me the truth." Question concerning mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, like it's been a problem for us in general with Arrow. Like, oh, you just need to tell people the truth. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a lot of character growth there where he, he normally does tell people the truth. And as far as killing goes, I think they've gotten more and more concise about their arguments about when he should kill. Like in this one, they literally make him defend his position about whether to kill one person. Mm-hmm. versus previous seasons where he's arguing about whether to kill in general or whether he, that's not even on the table. And we're not even talking about that. We're just trying to save the city. So I, I like, I think the conversation has gotten more refined and more sophisticated. I think at the end of the day, while, while I understand that there's, you know, there's a lot of nuance to the uh, should, should a good guy kill or not conversation. I feel like it is a conversation that Arrow has had more than enough and we certainly didn't need an entire episode dedicated to it where he's like talking to imaginary Tommy. Um, yeah. It's just time better spent someplace else. Yeah. I mean, it made I mean, sense I, for them. I, I like the idea that Emiko is sort of like the path not taken. Emiko was, you know, the person Oliver could have been had he continued down his season one path. Um, I like the idea of it, but I didn't like the execution of it. I don't think we had enough time with Emiko. I think if Emiko had been around for a couple of seasons at least, and we had uh, grown to care about her, that would be a different story. Uh, a good example of that is I actually kind of feel like we we got that with uh, with Earth Two Laurel. Like yeah, I some kind like, of redemption arc there. I felt like we got a nice little redemptive arc for her. Same thing though. Really, like Emiko was. And and her plan, it wasn't necessarily like Arrow, uh, Oliver season one. I mean, yeah, she wanted to kill, but she was the undertaking. Like, they did a bookend of season one versus season seven of what if we just did the undertaking again? Mm-hmm. 
new group, new plan, all that. And then if you look forward into what they were going to do in the, you know, Generation 2 Arrow verse, yeah. it was just, let's kill the Glades again. Yep. Which was fine. I didn't fine care for that ways. either. It was fine in certain ways. And it had, there was a nice book into it, but it also felt so uh, terribly redundant. The one thing I liked about it was it felt very Green Arrow. Like Green Arrow has always been this fight for the underdog character. Mm-hmm. And for for this series to sum itself up in a way that where they went back and like did a triple take almost on what if we just kill the poor, you know, like the old <laughs> the Mitchell and Webb, the look. Mitchell and Webb bit. Eh, what if we just kill the poor? Um, if we go back on that that take on it, it's I I kind of like it in that respect. Mm-hmm. That they've done this several times and over and over again, the show Arrow is is against like, no, we should not be, we shouldn't take the fight to the poor and try to make some elitist culture, right. like uh, uh, this Elysium kind of feel to it. This uh, like Brave New World is, sh- it, no, fuck that shit. Like no villains, we don't need to destroy, we don't need to kill the poor. No Ollie, we don't need to kill the villains. The only thing we need to kill is Renee's future wig. And we're fine. We'll be great that way. <laughs> oh, man, that thing was hard to look at. It was. Also, I don't know where they... Uh, some of the, the aging effects they used this season were hard to reconcile yeah, they with. Were. They were. But that, but Renee's freaking wig, it looked like a cat like threw up a hairball on top of his head. I just thought it was a cat. <laughs> just, just a cat. Like a large cat. Right. But a cat. It's like, did... Did Renee go to a shop called Dues by Trump? That was bad. <laughs> Cheeto makeover. <laughs> also, you know what? I I felt like I felt like the the actress playing um, Renee's daughter in the future just did not resemble his daughter in the present at all in acting or physicality, like. You Just, know, I didn't compare that, but what I did like was she had one moment on the uh, on the elevator when she comes up and she just says, duck. I, was, I like that girl. Yeah, she wasn't bad as far as like her acting or anything. She just didn't act anything like, act or look anything like his daughter in present timeline. And that was distracting for me. I never bought it as, because we've had, you know, we've seen his daughter for like two seasons now. Maybe, but... Same time, when you're 10 years old versus 17, you act and look entirely different. Mm, not that different. Yeah, that different. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen pictures of myself and of Ken. Like, you can still tell us that person. David, mm-hmm. you look entirely different. No, I don't. I once knew you. At 10 years old, you look like a tiny hobbling gargoyle child. What? So overall, the season was... Pretty impressive in a lot of ways. It started strong as a very terrestrial tale and ended with a fucking monitor. Mm-hmm. You got to give it credit for that. I will say I did like that about the show, like about the finale where they like they did kind of end Arrow on its own terms, as you put it, in a terrestrial way, like street level type of. Like literally uh, there's a moment where he's just sitting there with tears on his cheeks in the darkened like Arrow cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like in the bunker, that scene really, that meant a lot to me to see him yeah. like that. 
And as those lights went out around him and closed out on on him, that was really powerful. That was. Oh, and also after Diggle uh, delivers a line like, uh, leaving behind a cycle of heroes. Mm Mm-hmm. After all the talk they'd had about, like, the cycle of violence and all that, fucking uh, that, and then them talking about how Diggle can, you know, say what he wants and all. That was a cool scene. That was a really good scene. Those three, specifically those three just sitting there talking, that was great. And the the wrapping up OTA, original Team Arrow, mm-hmm. if you don't know. Obviously. And um, having Diggle make that statement about uh, the cycle of heroes. It, they, the way they had it positioned in the episode was a nice transition into what we get at the end where like we kind of like have a bit of a wrap slash segue into the larger uh, cosmic portion of this universe that you know that arrow started so not only do they did they do their bit where this like street level but we're also getting like a nod to what they have wrought yeah i love that they book in that mm-hmm. i almost wish that there weren't more 10 more episodes no i want them to wrap this up <laughs> i kind of think they did though they did they really did but i like i'm really looking forward to a, a, like a few episodes see where they go they certainly opened it up, and uh, I mean, yeah, if this was the last episode we ever saw, it'd be great, but it also exists within a universe where they've they've got this entire playbook. They've, they have so much more story to tell, and I love the fact that they involve the Monitor because they're, it, that, to me, signifies that they're looking to really tell this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us know what you guys thought. I'm interested. I'll hear you out. I'll be your shoulder. Of course. All right. And your bent ear. <laughs> All right. Ready to call it? Sure. See you next year. <laughs> yep. For 10 episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Keep some DC on your screen. Bye. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens, The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast, Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. 
Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender. First Commonwealth Bank. Member FDIC. You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender. First Commonwealth Bank. Member FDIC.